Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Happy 4th of July weekend, by the way. I uh, have had the privilege of being on five different continents in my life, 25 plus nations, and I can say this, that though America does not have it all together and is not perfect, there is no better place to live than this country. And, uh, and I, I'm really grateful for it. You know, our uh, founding fathers of our nation were less than perfect, and they had some stuff in their life that wasn't, wasn't great, um, but they got a hold of something, some values that I believe are kingdom values that were ahead of their lifestyle even, ahead of ours, and they, they uh, have been going after it, and I think we've been trying to figure out how to live that out in our country. It's not perfect, but I'm really grateful for it, and as long as I've got my choice, this is the place I want to live, and so... Uh, I, do, I do love America, um, and I'm grateful for God's hand on us as a people. I want to talk to you about overcoming faith. How about that? Yeah? One of my favorite stories is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They uh, were exiles. Say exiles. They were uh, a really good picture of what it looks like to be citizens of heaven living in a land that's not fully your own. And so I think we, we can identify a bit with their story. And in their day, they lived under the King Nebuchadnezzar. Say Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was really into himself. And so he decided that he was going to have his people build a really tall statue of him. There you go. Pretty, it's like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal around here. Let me put up a statue, and then you can, when, the, when all the, the instruments sound, you can bow to this statue of me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were exiles, but they were in training and had become uh, wise men, counselors to the king. And so they actually had a, a seat at the table. They were influencers in uh, this kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar ruled, and they had a say. Nebuchadnezzar would go to them asking for wisdom and for direction. It's pretty interesting that they lived under the rule of a wicked king, and yet they were still able to serve them as they served their God wholeheartedly. I think some of us may find our places, maybe even our employer, and we're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I agree with everything that's going on in this place. And yet if you're like, Many of the greats in scripture like Daniel or Joseph or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can actually even serve in a place that you don't fully agree with and be a light and a wise voice there. Amen? And so uh, they decided, hey, we're, 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 we're staying here. This is our, our role. And yet we are not bowing to that image. Now, you and I can make idolatry seem as if it's really far away, right? Like, who really sets up an image, right? Like, our presidents don't necessarily set up big statues of themselves and ask that we bow to them. But I'd like to propose to you that idolatry is a bit more subtle but very real in our day. In fact, there's all sorts of different ideologies, all sorts of different agendas, all sorts of different uh, political ways of seeing stuff 
especially in our day, that would ask that we would bow to it even if we don't agree with it so that we can save our lives and our jobs. You with me? And so often we feel like, you know, I don't really believe in this cause and this agenda. And yet, I just want to fit in. I just want to be liked. I, I, I want to keep my job. I want to. And we'll, we'll begin to make compromises to the gods of our day the social agendas, the political causes, all the stuff of our day that is actually a compromise to what we know to be true in our heart and think, you know, it's really just not that big of a deal. But may we get courage from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they decided, hey, we're not going to make a big deal. They didn't get bullhorns and poster boards and take to the streets and say, hey, we're not bowing. They lived their life and people begin to notice the way that they lived. And they begin to rat them out. Hoping that they would get canceled, they said, hey, these guys aren't doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing. And so finally, there was a confrontation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, hey, we're not going to bow. We cannot bow in worship to this idol because we only bow to the true God. And so the threat was this, if you don't bow, then you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. That sounds quite miserable. I was thinking about fiery furnaces, and I was, I was with a friend uh, a few years ago, and we were, I'll, I'll leave his name out since he's in the room, we were burning medical records. Um, <laughs> Why we were burning medical records and how legal that was, I'm not totally sure, but we were, we were burning medical records in a 55-gallon uh, drum. And I was just off knee surgery, and so I was sitting back in the chair, and he had grabbed this uh, jug that said Coleman on the side, and he began to douse the, the files with what I thought was diesel. And then he took the lighter, and he got all the way down in there to get the files on the bottom. And it wasn't quite a fiery furnace, but it looked like somebody lit the jets on the space shuttle. <laughs> and he came popping out of there looking like a cartoon character without any hair and a fresh sunburn. And so after we, we finished destroying all the evidence, we went back to my apartment and I, I shaved his head because his hair was, was singed and he actually had no eyebrows or eyelashes. And then Lauren and I went to meet his wife for dinner at Garcia's and she walks into the restaurant with her <laughs> sunburned and no-haired husband. And she said these words to him, I can't even look at you. I was thinking about that story, and I realized that I was sitting next to him, looking not because I had been burned, but because of the way that I've aged, sitting next to him with no hair, <laughs> thinking, I wonder if she can't look at me either. 
that was no fiery furnace, but it's about as close as I've been. So they got the fire so hot in Nebuchadnezzar's day. They said, let's make it 10 times hotter than it's ever been before. And then let's grab our strongest men and let's have these soldiers throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. And so they got them, they had them tied, they were fully dressed, and as they went to throw them into the furnace, it was so hot in that fire that the soldiers who threw them in fell down dead. And yet there go Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. Their words to Nebuchadnezzar before they went in were this. We believe in our God, and he will save us. But even if he doesn't, there is no way that we're bowing to you. So now everybody is expecting to be watching Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego basically incinerated. And instead, they see them glowing, and there's a fourth man in the fire. It actually says that they say they look like gods. There was something divine about their nature. And the fourth man in the fire, Jesus, kept them safe. And eventually they said, hey, come on out. So they come on out, and they noticed something. Nebuchadnezzar noticed something about them, that they did not even smell like smoke. Untouched by the fiery fury of their day. Something happened next in their story. I believe it's something we could see in our day. They tore down the statue. And then they said, everybody must worship God. Now, let me say this. I'm not into commanding worship. I think it's a bad idea. Right? Like, we've tried it throughout history. It hasn't ever gone very well. Even our founding fathers in America decided, hey, we're going to give the freedom of religion instead of force everybody into a certain religion. That's key. We can't give that up. That's a kingdom value is the freedom to decide what you believe and not have it forced on you. But there was something significant in that day that they realized that there was no other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to give you three keys from Revelation 12, 11, to what it looks like to have faith that overcomes. I, I think we see these in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were living it out before their time. I believe that they had grasped by their faith in God the realities of the new covenant, even though it was several hundred years before their time. It says this in Revelation 12, 11. It says that they overcame him, the enemy, how many of you know we have a real enemy that's against the people of God, and what he wants to do is destroy humanity, and our enemy isn't simply a, a, a slithering snake or some devil dressed in red, but he actually works in all sorts of ways, and he has all sorts of agendas and ideologies set against God and the culture of the kingdom. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Say, blood of the lamb. What does that mean, the blood of the lamb? Here's what that means. It means this, that when Jesus gave himself up for us, 
he established something very significant. He established the new covenant. Say new covenant. Here's a couple of realities of the new covenant. We could talk about it all day, every day, and not get to the bottom of what is true of the new covenant. But what the new covenant did is it changed our way of relating to God. No longer do we relate to God based on our performance, but, on Jesus, but based on Jesus's performance on the cross. And so what that means for you and for me is that I don't have to worry if God likes me or if he's for me. I don't have to worry about what I did yesterday and think, man, maybe he's out to get me and going to punish me. I get to trust that he has unconditional love for me. Here's what that means. We use the the phrase unconditional love all the time. It means that you don't get to determine his love for you, that your behavior doesn't determine his love for you, that your, your faith doesn't determine his love for you, that you're actually his and he belongs to you. In the new covenant, we, we learned this a few weeks ago when Bill Vanderbush was speaking, the new covenant is not between you or me and God, it's actually between Jesus and the Father. They were creating a new reality for us to live in. And because we're not covenant partners that entered into the agreement, but instead were the spouse as the bride who got brought into the agreement by marriage, that means that we don't get to mess it up. I have some business partnerships that I'm in, and they're between me and my partners. Lauren gets to experience the benefits of those partnerships but she doesn't have to do anything for them and she can't mess them up. And that's how it is with us. So by the blood of the lamb, we get unconditional love and we get permanent access. Here's what that means. God is always with you. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego grasped. They, they grasp the reality that this, I'm going to hold true to God, not so that he'll hold true to me, but because he holds true to me. Does that make sense? Like, we're not living so that God will be faithful to us. We're living faithfully in response to his faithfulness to us. So even when we blow it, he's still faithful. And he is always with you. One of the things that I pray over my kids every night that I put them to bed is thank you, God, that you are always with them. We need to remind our kids that God is always with them. In fact, if you've got your kid with you right now, just go ahead and tell them God is always with you. Kids, why don't you go ahead and remind your parents? (laughs) Tell them God is always with you. Sometimes we get terrified that God's going to leave us, like that he's that he's going to show up some of the time and not be there other times, that he's, like, if I'm doing good, he's going to be drawn to me. If I'm rebelling against him, then he's going to leave me. That's not true. God is always with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not living only based on what they thought. They were living based on hundreds of years of testimony of their, of their people. They knew how God had already worked in their own lives. The ways that God works in your life, hold on to those. Don't let them pass by. Write them down. Tell them to yourself. Tell them to your spouse. Tell them to your kids, to your grandkids, to your great-grandkids. Let those be the stories that testify how good God is. 
And the word testimony basically means do it again. And so the way that we overcome is that we know, oh, what God did for them, what God did for me in the past, he'll do again. I can trust in his character based on the testimony. How many of you know this right here is a book of testimonies? It's it's not just a book of what did happen, but it's a book of what God is like and how he wants to work in our lives and in our day. He's no respecter of person. Here's what that means. Though you, you are his favorite, I'm his favorite, he does not play favorites. Right? I know you're special, but I'm special too, Kenny. And because God doesn't play favorites, what that means is that he's not going to like somebody else more than he likes you. And so you can trust that what he's done for somebody else that he'll do for you. You with me? So you see somebody else get healed. It's like, oh, well, God could do that for me too. In fact, let me just ask, how many of you have received physical healing in the last year in here? Wow. That's testimony right there. He can do it again. Amen? So by the word of their testimony, how many of you have seen God provide in crazy and unusual ways this year? Come on. Hold on to that testimony. Share the stories of what God has done. See him do it again. By the, word of their testi- by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives unto death. Here's what it's not saying. It's not saying you need to have self-hatred. What it is saying is that you and I recognize that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego rec- recognized this that their integrity was more important than their life. Like they realized, hey, I'm not going to bend to this cause so that I can keep my job or so that I can keep my life. But they trusted God to come through for them. I believe in our day, we don't, we don't need lots of people that are just causing trouble and stirring it up, but we do need people who say, you know what? I'm not going to give in to that thing even if it costs me my job. I'm not going to get behind that cause, even if it costs me my friends. Instead of bowing to the ideas of our day, we say, you know what? I'm going to be wholehearted with God. I'm going to have integrity no matter what. I'm not going to give in to all the stuff around me, even if it means that I lose friends, even if it means that I lose family. Here's what's crucial then for you and I about our convictions. It means that our convictions can't be flippant, but instead they have to be rooted in kingdom values. It can't just be, oh, that's convenient, that helps me, that makes me look good with people, so I'll just follow that cause, it's not that big of a deal. But instead we have to say, you know what, I want my life to be lived with kingdom integrity. And here's what I mean by kingdom integrity. Integrity doesn't mean just not stealing or telling the truth. Integrity means to be the same all the way throughout. What would it look like for us to say, you know what, I'm going to be uncompromised and I'm not going to change for anybody else. I'll be sensitive to everybody. I'll love really well. I'll seek always to understand before I'm understood, but I'm going to live with integrity regardless of what's around me. They did not love their lives unto death. 
they realized that standing before God, saying, God, I followed you all the way through, was way more valuable than living for the pleasure of the people around them. I believe that that's what God is after. I believe this, that he wants to do that in you and I through the power of his Holy Spirit. I want us to stand and we're gonna make some declarations together and then we'll take communion together after that. Say this with me, I belong to Jesus. He's not leaving me. He's not giving up to me. Up on me, there you go, you got it. He likes me. He's for me. He's with me. I give my life to him. I'm gonna follow him all the days of my life. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. My life is his. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay standing, grab your communion that you received on your way in. And the night before Jesus was crucified, he had been, just before he was betrayed and handed over, he took the, the bread and the wine that were in front of him and he, he added meaning to them that they had never understood before took the bread and he said, hey, this bread that you have been eating year after year for hundreds of years, that bread is me. And I'm giving myself to you. Recognize that as often as you come together and you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So we just say, Jesus, thank you for your body that was beaten beyond recognition. Thank you that you gave your very life to us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Take and eat. The wine that was in front of him. And he said this, this is the new covenant. They would have understood this, that Jesus was saying, I'm changing the way that you get to interact with God. This is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of my sin. You need to embrace the reality that you are forgiven. Do you understand you're forgiven? God's not keeping a record, a list of wrongs against you. He declares over you that you're forgiven maybe holding on to something thinking hey maybe I'm not forgiven because of this Did you just hand that to him Jesus we thank you that you've forgiven us that you've created access unlimited access to you and your blood we love you Jesus this morning We've invited our kids to be on our ministry team. How many of you know that kids don't have a junior Holy Spirit? They've got the real deal. How many of you know that 
Oftentimes kids don't have a whole lot of the lies of life that try to argue against the realities of heaven in them. They've, they've got a pure faith. Our kids have been learning what it looks like to hear the voice of God, what it looks like to pray for the sick, and so they're gonna be teamed up with adults to pray for you. And so this morning, I wanna encourage you, it's, this is not a cute act, this is the serious business of heaven. That if you've got pain in your body, sickness that you've been fighting, that you would come and let them pray for you. If you maybe just need a word of encouragement from the heart of God, would you let them just speak life over you? They'll be partnered up. If you've got stuff that you know, hey, I need prayer, but I don't need a kid to pray for me, That's, that happens sometimes, please don't go to a team with a kid, but, but find somebody else to pray for you. But uh, we're gonna invite our ministry team and our kids during this last song to come pray for people. So y'all come, come forward, ministry team and kids. And I believe this, that God wants to minister to you this morning. And so would you just come forward as you have need? Maybe this morning you need to give your life to Jesus. That'd be a really good decision. They'd love to pray for you for that as well. So Jesus, we just thank you for this ministry time. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and to have your way. Lord, we thank you that it's your desire to heal. Jesus, you healed everybody that came to you. And so we're trusting that you'll do that this morning. In Jesus' name.